Morning, team. Nice to have your company. Thank you, Anthony. Be back to you. He just showed me what he's... I thought he was tagged. I had no idea, actually. He's got this thing on his wrist, which he's probably talked about on the programme. Which, uh, if, if, which, if he hasn't, I won't mention it, just in case he hasn't. If he has, then you know what it is. Uh, so anyway, leave that to one side. So we've had some more cards in. Thank you very much indeed. It's nice to get Christmas cards, actually. It's very nice indeed. And it's nice to get... Te- oh, I found another one. And texts and emails and all the rest of it. So we've got loads to get through on the programme this morning, including Steve Hargrave. And what happened to Susan Boyle at the recording? You know she was doing this Susan Boyle special. So what they did is they, they brought in Elaine Page and Elaine Page sings with her and Susan Boyle says, you know, it's great, you know, she's my idol and it's now great that we're on the same level. I thought, only for that show, dear, only for that show. Don't get too carried away. But that, that, that wasn't the end of it. At the end of the show, they, uh, they bring on the cast of Les Miserables so she can sing the song that she sang, which got her through onto the uh, Britain's Got Talent in the first place. Uh, they have fireworks. Unfortunately, uh, just a little way into the song, she coughs. So they have to stop and start again, because it's a TV programme. You can't have somebody go, <coughs> I dream... <coughs> can't do that. You've got to stop and start again, and they had fireworks and confetti, so she managed to get through that. This proving, as far as I'm concerned, she'll never do a concert, because it's, she, she just doesn't have the stamina that people have in, in West End shows, when you're, when you're supposed to be doing eight performances a week. The other thing she did, though, halfway through another song, where it was just her and a pianist, she starts doing a little jig. <laughs> She lifts up her skirts and start, the reporter in the paper says she starts doing a jig. So the producer goes, OK, stop, because um, that's not part of it, Susan. OK, can we do that bit again? So they, they start doing the song again. Halfway through again, she goes into a little jig, lifting up her skirts and doing this little sort of country dancing thing. So they stop and say, listen, we have to, we have to do this straight, as it were. So anyway, third attempt, she gets it right and does it. And, uh, and she, kept, she keeps saying, you know, I'm living the dream. And I'm thinking, what dream is this? Strangely enough, do you remember yesterday I said, because the papers were reporting that she'd earned four point something million pounds through sales of the, of the record. Now, strangely enough, Peter Kay, his record, which he did for Children in Need has just raised £175,000. How many copies did they sell? 268,000. Now, you work it out for yourself. She sold 700,000. Now, this is the album. The royalties will be somewhat different, OK? But not, not hugely for her. So 268,000 copies of Peter Kay's single makes 175,000. So multiply that by three times, and that's what I suspect she would have earned out of the album... Even, you know, so 600,000 maximum, maximum, no more than that at all. The people who make the money, the record company. And then, of course, the tax man's going to want his bit. Her agent's going to want 20%, I would think, which is Simon Cowell. So when you come down to it, all this talk about she's earned millions and she's got eight million in the bank. It's a load of old baloney. It's just rubbish. And you know that because of how much Peter Kay has been able to give to children in need. And they've they've waived all their costs. They've waived everything. So that's how you know. Anyway, let's see who sent in cards today. This is uh, from... I think this is Chris and Geraldine from Boreham Wood. Thank you very much indeed. Always a picture. Do you know, and I tell you, I learnt something new on the television the other day. I always thought that the Coca-Cola Company of America changed Father Christmas to red. No, it's an apocryphal lie. They were on the television last night in a programme done by Fiona Phillips talking about... 
Santa Claus, Fa- Father Christmas, whatever you want to call him. And the Coca-Cola company said, it's done us no end of good, people believing that we changed it. But in fact, the reason that Father Christmas changed, and he wasn't green, he was always, uh, he was wearing a fur suit. He was wearing a fur suit, and that was a tawny sort of colour. He was red long before Coca-Cola got there. He was never, ever wearing green. Because when he was invented, and he started off as this little 18-inch high hobgoblin, who gradually turned into a man with a beard, and then gradually did the presents and all the rest of it, it was a, it was a, a chance talking about the North Pole that then meant that he was moved to the North Pole. Because up until then, people were going, well, where does he come from? And they go, oh, I don't know. And then the North Pole came up in conversation, I think in, in Norway, and they said, Why do-? because nobody ever goes there. Let's make it the North Pole. Consequently, Father Christmas, who's only been around since, you know, early 1800s, and nothing to do with Coca-Cola. So it's ruined my blooming stories for Christmas. Because I used to tell everybody, of course, you know, it was Coca-Cola. He was green before. He was never green. He was always, if you look at all the early pictures of him, he's wearing, it's, it starts off as like um, a fox fur type colour. And then the reason that it became red is the colour, the uh, company who were printing it, didn't have very good colours, so he gradually became red because they didn't have the uh, the efficient dyes that you've got nowadays. So there you go. Useless information, I realise, but you'll be repeating that later on today. A Merry Christmas, and this is one uh, from uh, from Merle. Thank you very much indeed. With uh, with glitter in it. Well, you know how much I love the glitter. We love the glitter. And um, this is... Uh, oh, it's a long letter. Good love, it's a three-page... We don't get three-page letters, ever. And um, it says here, it's Christmas tradition... Oh, I said, we, we have had this one before, actually, which is very good. And, um... <laughs> sorry. This is a fab chicken recipe that includes the use of popcorn as a stuffing. I don't know if you've ever thought about popcorn as a stuffing. When I found this recipe, uh, I thought it was perfect for people like me who are never sure when the, when the bird is done. So for this one, for Christmas, and you can follow this at home, OK? One large chicken... Three ounces of melted butter, garlic is optional. One cup of stuffing, one cup of uncooked popcorn, very important. Some thyme, salt and pepper to taste. Preheat the oven to 220 degrees. Brush the chicken with the melted butter, the salt and the pepper. Fill the cavity with the stuffing and the popcorn. Just mix it all in, put it into the cavity. Place in the roasting dish with the neck end towards the back of the oven. Listen to the popping sounds. OK, that's when you know. And when the chicken's ass blows the oven door open, the chicken flies across the room, it's done! <laughs> we had a great... Re- Thank you for that. We had a great recipe some time ago for making a Christmas pudding. And for those of you who remember it on the programme, it was involving every time you did something, you took a slug of whiskey. And oh, by the time you'd finished, you were so sozzled, you didn't, you didn't care. What happened to the cake? You just sort of, you know, first of all, you know, then you mix the cat up and you put it in the oven and so it went on. It was very, very funny indeed. Very traditional card here. And this is from Betty. She has another year and I'm still here. Just. See, I, I always do, do that as well. Thank you, Betty. She says, if only I was 37 or 38 like you. Cheeky. Watch it. Just because it's Wednesday. Thanks for playing around. Oh, it's a nice card. In fact, I've just got that one. Isn't that funny? Same card twice. Uh, from Gillian Hayes. She says, can you do the Beck, please, in the new year? Actually, I must, I must speak to Uncle Rob at some point, because I've got some dates for the Queen's Theatre for next year, but I, uh, I'll have to check with him first of all, because we have to find out if Anthony's available. You know, just check on these things. Well, that's a nice traditional one. Uh, this is from Leslie. She says, uh, we're addicted to you. Better than any drugs. 
Well, I don't know, actually. Sometimes Halliborange can be quite... Do you know, every morning in the winter, my mum used to give us a Halliborange tablet, and every winter, without fail, we got colds. Didn't make the slightest blooming difference. I remember Michael Van Stratton. Many of you will remember Michael Van Stratton. Lovely Michael on LBC. And, um, and people were talking about vitamin C. And he said the only thing, really, to ward off colds and flus is garlic. But to be quite... I know you can get non-smelly garlic, but he said garlic's very good. He said people talk about vitamin C. He said you'd have to eat an entire orchard of oranges for it to have any effect whatsoever. You need such huge doses. That's why many of these uh, tablets are very highly concentrated. Anyway, all that to one side. All of that to one side. I see Tiger Woods' mother has now collapsed. It's getting more bizarre by the minute, this one. Is it mother-in-law? Yeah, mother-in-law. So she's been taken off on a gurney back to the hospital. Do you know, it gets more bizarre, this story, by the minute. I'm fascinated by it. And um, Sex of the City, he's not out of the woods yet. Amy apparently is uh, back with Blake. And Sigourney Weaver says she's still sexy at 60. See, no reason why I shouldn't be sexy at 60. Don't forget, we take all your texts and emails. 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Um, another one here. Uh, Wendy in Camberwell. Who says, can you wish my twin Jill and myself happy today? Happy what? Happy birthday, is it? Or is it, a, is it not a happy birthday? <laughs> some, some, um, so, some people say, oh, I don't really want to celebrate a birthday. And uh, another one here that says, Dawn's not fat. It's a stupid, she's, she's grossly obese. She's in all the papers today. She's clinically obese, I'm afraid. I mean, she is so, so fat. Although she does say, there are two sorts of women. Those who eat chocolate and those who are complete bitches. And you think it's the effect of the telly, darling. You must get your eyes tested. But we know that you're just made up. And, um, and uh, you're just a bit sad and lonely, I'm afraid. But never mind. At least we've got your company this morning. We'll probably have to suffer with you for about another ten minutes before we sort of send you off into the world of make-believe. Uh, do you know that water is on metre for eight in ten homes? I don't know if you've ever put your water on metre. I remember once trying to work out why my water bill was exactly the same as Chris and Sharon's. Their water bill was the same as mine, and yet there were more of them, they were washing, and, and, they had, um, and they had a child. And I remember writing to the water company saying, how is this possible that I'm using the same water as they are? And, and they wrote back and said, well, that's what, the, that, that's what it says our end. And you think, I think they just make it up. So then I thought, we'll have a water meter put in, but apparently they're not that easy. And sometimes you've got to be careful, because if you do put one in, and at the moment you're not paying too much, it could go through the ceiling... And all of a sudden, you might be on the end of a bad deal. And once they put it in, they ain't going to come round and take it off. So, you, so you're kind of stuck with it. I think you have to be very, very careful. There's a poor lad in the page. You know, coming up to Christmas, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? Uh, a lad of 12 who collapsed and died after he was chased by two older boys was unlawfully killed. Jordan Madison, who had a chronic heart defect. He was only 12, only 12, and two... Let's just call them nasty little pieces of work, shall we? Chased him, and uh, there's an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. Just dreadful, isn't it? Just dreadful. And they chased him. Uh, Apparently, the 15-year-old admitted he knew he had a heart defect because his mum had told him about it. What do you do do with children like that? I mean, I don't know what we do with them. Nowadays, it just... Oh, kids died. Who cares? That's what it, what it comes down to, doesn't it? Nobody really cares. They're just another statistic in the paper, and every year we get people saying, oh, don't worry, we'll make it better. They're not done bugger all, I'm afraid. Every time I open up the papers, there's something dreadful to read about. Although, nice to see uh, old Vic and uh, Dave out on the town the other night. Dave in mourning. 
David Morning, because you know his uh, favourite grandfather died. That's why he was out drinking the night before to try and console himself. And then the other night, she she flew in as well, and uh, and they went off to a hotel because they were being celebrated by Harper's Magazine to launch her range of clothing. So there's always some reason, isn't there, to pop over here. But it's, it's so nice to see them and so nice to see them together and holding hands because they hold hands a lot. And I think that just goes to prove that romance is not dead. And in the Beckham household, it's absolutely paramount. News headlines. The Chancellor is set to announce a raft of tax increases in his pre-budget report later. It's expected to be a one-off tax on bank bonus pools and the rate of VAT could be increased to 20%. A 15-year-old boy is still seriously ill after being stabbed during a fight in the West End yesterday. And French officials in Calais have decided to reopen a reception centre for UK-bound migrants just months after destroying a nearby makeshift camp. Let's have a check on the roads this morning. Favourite... Uh, Favourite travel man. He does other things as well. Hugh Broom. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Uh, we'll start with the A21, Bromley Common. It's still closed. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Here on 97.3. Very dark outside. And uh, loads of... Do you know, I come into work at quarter to four in the morning. And there's still people partying outside. Well, I know that tonight and tomorrow you're all going to suffer. For the simple reason, it's the global Christmas party. There will be hundreds of people staggered. I will probably arrive in tomorrow morning because I, I can't go to it because when you've got to get up early in the morning, my loyalty, as you know, God bless you, uh, is to the station. And it wouldn't really do, would it, if I turn up and went, oh, God, I feel awful. Oh. You know, you, you'd be going, excuse me, we've not paid for this. We've paid for a bit of excitement, a bit of bitching bit of chocolate discussion and stuff like that. You know, we want, want that kind of stuff. What, you're being rude to celebrities. Do you want you sitting there going, oh, my head, my head, I don't want to do it. You know, I need a cup of coffee. And actually, it turns out a cup of coffee doesn't do you any good now. They've just worked out that if you've got a hangover, a cup of coffee is blooming useless. See, I always thought a cup of coffee works. It certainly works for me. But I think it gives you false economy. The only thing that cures a hangover is sleeping it off for the rest of the day and probably having some sugar or something like that. Loads of, but what you should really do, if you're going out drinking tonight or any night, is A, drink, they say milk, because it lines your stomach, and B, take two headache tablets. And the reason I tell you that is because at some point you're going to end up with a headache. You might as well preempt it. So take your headache tablets. Don't, go compl- don't mix your drinks. That's the worst thing that you can ever do is mixing drinks. You know, when they say you mustn't mix the grape with the grain and that kind of stuff. Either way, it's, it's the sort of thing you've got to be careful of. So tomorrow morning, there's going to be people staggering around this building. Oh, it's a little thick. It's going to be awful. Bumped into Johnny Vaughan in the toilet the other day. <laughs> Tell you about that one later. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'll panic him. Uh, 84850. Uh, Dom says... You're forgetting Susan Boyle is massive in the States. She's quite big over here. And has the current number one album selling hundreds of thousands in the first week. At this rate, she'll make millions. No, sadly not, Dom. She won't make millions. Don't be stupid. She never wrote anything. You don't make millions for just recording somebody else's songs. Otherwise, you know, half the, uh, half the little popsicles in the charts would have made a fortune. But, uh, but they don't. In fact, I think Atomic Kitten hardly made anything. I think they had about six number ones. Hardly made any money at all, so she won't make millions, sweet pea. But, I mean, nice of, you know, your Harrow to make your contribution this morning. And, uh, oh, yes. Hello, Drew. And he says, uh, you may remember the band I'm in, Croft, because they were at the Middlesex show in 2001, and then in 2002. They've got a Christmas single out on the 14th of December. We've timed that one badly. George Michaels is on the 13th. George Michael, I believe, is going to be on uh, The X Factor this Saturday. 
is going to be singing with somebody. I think Robbie Williams, <gasps> who's pictured in the paper today, looking a bit scary, came out of an interview the other day and they went, he looked ill. He's, he's got that. Do you remember that look he had when he turned up on X Factor? He actually subsequently blamed it on he drank some coffee. Pfft. Well, listen, let me tell you, I drink coffee every day on this programme and I don't look bug-eyed, let me tell you. He looked really odd. He looked, really, he looked even odder yesterday in the paper. But anyway, uh, so we've got uh, this single coming out in, uh, in the 14th of December. Every single penny going to a very worthy cause, which is the Starlight Children's Foundation. And this goes to brighten up the lives of... Uh, seriously and terminally ill children. Uh, He says, you can listen to our song, Love Isn't Just for Christmas, and it's on MySpace. So it's myspace.com forward slash we are not croft. And in fact, it's on YouTube, the video, if you search for Love Isn't Just for Christmas, and you can download it on iTunes. How cool is that? You can do everything. So go and check them out on YouTube. Love Isn't Just for Christmas. And all the money that they make, if, if you download it, goes to uh, brighten up the lives of seriously and terminally ill children. People who are even sicker than you imagine. You can't imagine in your wildest dreams how ill some, uh, some poor children are and, uh, and might not see the new year. So at least you can make a difference. If you don't like putting your hand in your pocket normally and giving to people by the side of the street who are sitting on their fat asses in a doorway with a sign going, cold and hungry, and I was thinking, what's well, your own bloody fault? Everybody else manages to get off their bottom and do a job. You know, while you're sitting there with a dog on a blanket, where's the RSPCA? That's what I want to know. get really, really angry with things like that. You know, and then there's little children who don't do anything. And then that's when you question whether or not there is a God, isn't it? You have to question why there are sort of mass murderers out there and why Ronnie Biggs is still alive. And then you look at terminally ill children and you think it's just not right. It's not right. I had to ask, I asked Richard Hake here a question earlier on today. I said, is Seal a big deal? And he went, oh, I don't know. I mean, he had that, you know, from a kiss to a rose, I think, years ago. And then he married the model Heidi Klum. And to be honest with you, I thought his career was over. I had no idea he was still going. Surprisingly, I turned on the television the other week and there is Carla Romano, otherwise known as GMTV's worst ever reporter in America. Worst ever. Jackie Brambles was much better because she looked... Carla Romano just gets everything wrong. She's just blooming useless. In fact, it used to be a standing joke in private eye that they go, oh, yeah, she is Dumbo again's come out. She talks... She just doesn't know anything about the people. Private Eye had this thing, and in fact, most of the columnists started started mentioning her as well, because she was so awful. Absolutely dread. She'd be going, oh, we're going to be looking for a celebrity here, and they'd walk right back the pastor at the back. She'd go, Carla Romano... Oh, anyway, we'll, we'll come back to them later. And so she then is on the television the other week, and she's going, we're very excited. Well, first of all, she, she, because of the satellite delay... She stands there staring like a frightened rabbit in the headlights. And they go, and over to Carlo, because they had that little child presenting on GMTV, whose name I can't remember, Ben, ben Shepherd. Uh, he's on the, you know, the, the, the 12-year-old. Who, he's in his 30s, but he's, he, look, he looks a bit young. Not, not all there on the brand. Anyway, so he's, he's there and he goes, and let's go over to Carlo. So they then cut to Carlo standing there and... And she's obviously waiting for the count, her end, because what happens is they go, OK, coming to you in three, two, you're on. And she stood there staring at it, and I'm thinking, oh, somebody tell her to speak, for God's sake, because it was getting too embarrassing. And, uh, and then she goes, oh, hi, welcome back. And uh, coming up, we've got a, another song from Seal. And what they were doing was plugging his album. And, and I thought, Seal, is he that big a deal now? Are we that interested? Anyway, there's a two-page interview with him today. In the Daily Mirror, and all it is is to plug his album called Hits. So I'm assuming, being bright, 
that it's all his hit. Well, I don't know how many hits he had. I thought, I can only, well, I can only think of the one. I thought of uh, Kiss to a Rose. What was the other hit he had? Killer. Oh, Killer. Oh, right. And that was it. But to be honest with you, I thought, oh, I thought he was finished. You know, I mean, I'm not generally the sort of person to write people off, as you know. You know, I, I, I generally, I'm generally quite kind about people. But to be honest, once they move to America, as far as I'm concerned, they're out of our loop here. Why, why we want to promote them, I've got no idea. But we do want to promote Croft. So there you go. So you can, you can go for that one, OK? And go, go and check it out. Go and check out the Christmas single. So it's on YouTube, and you're putting in Love Isn't Just For Christmas, and you'll find them, OK? If you go to MySpace, it's myspace.com forward slash we are not Croft. And you can download the song on iTunes from the, I'm assuming, from the 14th through. I'm assuming it'll be the 14th, because I know they've had to pre-order George Michael. Um, do you know, the funny thing is, I've never been a big fan of George Michael. I like the early stuff, but then when he started talking about his spliffs and his cottaging and everything, you know, I'm thinking, to be honest with you, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday, and we both agreed that as long as his boyfriend wants to put up with it, that's his business. It's got nothing to do with it. Listen, he, he, can, he can stick needles in his arms, as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't, as long as it doesn't affect me, as long as he doesn't get behind the wheel of the car and go out on the road. But if he wants to go trolling over Hampstead Heath, that's his business. But he does say, I'm now down to eight or nine spliffs a day. Now, I don't know, because I don't smoke marijuana. I'm not saying I have never smoked marijuana, but to be honest with you, I can't stand the smell. It smells like old socks. And, and he does eight or nine of these things a day, and I'm thinking, he must be what's commonly known as an addict. Because eight or nine seems like a... I don't know, it just seems like a lot to me. I know that people say, oh, it's safer than ordinary cigarettes. Yeah, as long as you're not flying a plane or anything like that, it's probably quite safe as long as you're staying in and the door's locked. But you do what he goes, I'm down to eight. He used to do 25 a day. 25 spliffs a day. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, perhaps I'm just being incredibly naive. I mean, I couldn't really care. I couldn't really care. It doesn't, it doesn't make that much difference to me what he does, as long as I say he doesn't get behind the wheel of a car, because that's, uh, that's when it worries me. Michael, Steve, give me three so-called celebrities you would like to suffer uh, next year. I don't know. I did, find it, oh, I did find it interesting that Philip Schofield managed to do an interview with Gino DeCampo and not mention the rats or whether or not he was going to be cooking for Paul Young. Isn't that funny? This is LBC 97. 25 to... No, 28 minutes to, uh, to 6 is the time. Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3. Uh, very quickly, Robbie Williams says his mum, Jan... Strangely enough, is so desperate to have grandchildren, she's trying to push him into getting married. This is the story that we told you about on LBC, that she was quick to confirm that his proposal to his long-time girlfriend was genuine and she couldn't wait for the wedding. He then comes back, you'll remember, and says, uh, no, it was just a joke. He said, we're not engaged. Uh, I might get married at some point, but I'm not getting married now. It kind of means that the poor old girlfriend is just hanging on. She's sort of clinging on to this kind of thing. And then he goes, would you want to get married? And on Australian radio, she goes, yes, thinking perhaps he was genuine. And he goes, it's only a joke. But he didn't tell her it was a joke at that time. He didn't, in fact, he probably didn't tell her it was a joke at all. He told everybody on his Facebook page, which was even more bizarre. But uh, his, he actually told a radio station the other day, he said, I'm probably going to get married, but I didn't get engaged. It was part of the interview. But I thought that would be a lie. You know, would you like to get married? Uh, no. It's only, you know, it's, I was just messing about. Oh, 
Mitchell. She's thrilled. This is unlike Tiger Woods' uh, wife, who appears to have moved out, quite clearly taking the advice we offered the other day. How much embarrassment do you need to have heaped on you as yet another one crawls out the woodwork? I think now we're up to seven. Uh, they all seem to work in those sort of places where you would meet girls. Rachel... Uh, is a Manhattan club hostess. I think you know what that means, even by our standards. We've got a rough idea. Vegas cocktail waitress, Jamie Grubbs, very grubby, I'm afraid, uh, had a 31-month fling. Kaliki Mokin is a club promoter, uh, denies any romance, but pals say that she bragged about the affair. Mindy Lawton is a waitress and says she had an affair with him while the wife was pregnant. Jamie Jungers is a lingerie model, had a two-year... My God, he had about so many on the go on this, on this time. Corey Rist is a model and single mum who had a one-year affair with him. And Holly Sampson is the old porno thing. And uh, she said she's going to keep her mouth shut, which I thought was most unusual for a porno actress. But there you go. She's doing it, but eventually, for the right amount of money, she'll probably uh, tell all about, I had an affair with Tiger Woods. But to be honest with you, unless he wears women's clothing or a fireman's outfit and jumps from the wardrobe screaming Geronimo, why would it be any more interesting than anybody else having an affair? Presumably it was just an easy bit of sex. He picked them up. They quite clearly knew who he was. And knowing he was married, they had an affair with him. Then at the end of the day, they go to the papers and go, oh, by the way, guess who I've just had sex with? And the papers go, who? They go, Tiger Woods. And they go, oh, great. And you're thinking... Why is this of any interest to anybody? They're like prostitutes going to the papers now and saying, oh, guess who I've slept with? Politicians and pop stars and rock stars and management and things like that. It's of no interest to anybody. Couldn't care less. I'm assuming that the entire world, unless you can't, uh, is having sex. And for that reason, I see that there is no purpose in it at all to tell the papers. I couldn't care less who Tiger Woods has slept with. As I say, unless he wears bondage gear or sort of, you know, ties a, a ribbon round his willy, it's of no... I mean, I couldn't care less doesn't make any difference. It's only the wife who's embarrassed by it, but then that's his problem. It's his problem. You know, if she walks out and sues him for everything he's, he, he's got, fair enough. You know, that's what happens nowadays. Unfortunately, the richer they are, the more stupid they become, I'm afraid. Uh, Susan Boyle launches into this bizarre breakdance, duetting with uh, Elaine, and uh, apparently BBC chiefs have scrapped the Strictly Come Dancing semi-final dance-off in a move that may help the breakfast TV host, Chris Hollins. Apparently, Hollins is... He's got fans, Chris Hollins. How bizarre. This is the ex-professional footballer and, uh, and film star. And now, apparently, you know, he's, he's going to win it. But at the end of the day, he's not going to give up his job with the BBC, is he? So what's the point of doing it? It's this celebrity culture, which everybody is talking about at the moment, in... That's all we've got on the television. It's celebrity programmes, celebrity-based programmes, programmes that are based around celebrity, some of whom might be celebrities... But as you noticed the other day, when Colin and Justin came back from the jungle, there was just one photograph. Nobody's remotely interested in this pair of Marys who came back from the jungle, one of whom who cried all the time. In fact, at one point, he sat there. This is Justin. This is the deeply unattractive one out of the two unattractive ones in the relationship. And he sat there and went, I've been with him 22 years. We've never spent time apart. He'd been gone half an hour, and we got the tears. It was pathetically stupid pathetically stupid. So they, they came back. How oh, you think that's going to resurrect a, a career? I've got no idea. Stacey Solomon was back the other day in Dagenham. Nice to see there's a load of people there with sort of their, their camera phones trying to take pictures. Do you know, every single one of them in Dagenham, miserable face. There's not one person in this picture smiling. You know why? Dagenham. It's not called Dagenham dumps for nothing, I'm afraid. But well-wishers cheered. That's they did it through clenched teeth. Well, all right. And that was it. She turned up with Danny Minogue. He's got another strange hairstyle. Anyway, 
Dagen- Danny Minogue went to Dagenham in a black Mercedes. They pulled up outside the family home. Balloons lined the drive. It's that naff down in Dagenham, I'm afraid. I can't bear people walking down the ice street. They get them from Clinton's. They go in there, go, we're going to a 40th birthday party. All right. <laughs> and they blow up these balloons, and you walk out with two bloody balloons, with, one with a four and one with a zero, and you go, that's somebody's birthday party present. Buy him a cake. Buy him a cake like Dawn French, who quite clearly has, A, had a lot of birthdays, and B, been eating a lot of cake. And I know this for a fact, because uh, Dawn and I go back many, many, many years, and I went to see her in a, in a show, and she said, Steve, she said, can you bring us sweets? So I bought ten quid's worth of sweets, ten quid's worth of chocolate for her, and she was very happy. Obviously, it was a big mistake, because she said, just throw it to me, just throw it to me on the stage. So I stood up and threw chocolate, ten quid's worth. God, what a blooming way. Uh, 84850, uk, And, uh, oh, here we go. We're bringing out the terminally stupid this morning, I'm afraid. Elvis, Rod Stewart, Elton John, Mariah Carey, all singers who've made millions, but have never written a song. They always recorded covers. Are you completely stupid? I didn't believe the thickos are out there this early. What is this, the, the throwback from Night Time or something? Elton John, I think he writes everything. Rod Stewart, I think you find he writes a lot of stuff. And Mariah Carey. And Susan Boyle, no multimillionaire. But, you know, it keeps you happy, doesn't it, really? I don't know, we, do, we, we got the, as, as uh, who was it on the television the other day? 50 Cent was on. And he said the one thing he said that he really feels sorry about, he said is people who sit in front of computers, he said, writing stupid things. He said on his, on his fan site and on YouTube, people write stupid things. And he puts it down to the fact that they're not all there in the brain department. And he said they, they just sit there. He said because they're very lonely and they don't get out. And it's their only contact with people. They just write something thinking they're, they're being terribly clever, he said. But really, he said they're halfway through their lives and it's just, there's nothing going on. They can't afford to go out. They've saved up for their little computer and that's their lifeline. They're they're generally, said people who watch pornography, he said, which is a little bit worrying. They sit there and they're a little bit dribbly, you know what I'm saying? They couldn't go out and meet people because they smell that stuff them, which is a little bit worrying. Mark the Bailiff is up early. Go on, hope you get some, uh, hope you get some, uh, some cars this morning. I think you will, actually. Um, the RSPCA are sorting out uh, animal charities. Actually, do you know they've got an advert running on the television at the moment, the RSPCA? And they've got some bloke sitting there going, at the moment we've got lots of dogs, because these are stupid people who go out at Christmas and any other time, buy an animal and then go, oh, it doesn't do tricks. Oh, dump it by the side of the road. And people do. People do that. You know, the amount of puppies we've dragged out of the river with chains around their necks because people don't want them anymore. Or failing that, they just throw them out the side of cars. They are people like that. And kittens, you know, they just drown them. It's a lot easier like that. Or failing that, if it's a rat, they eat them in the jungle and nobody says a bloody word. And then finally the RSPCA uh, get off on it and they go, I think we'll take them to court. Whereas, in fact, there isn't any case to prove because we watched him doing it on television. So it's not like, you know, do we have any evidence of this? Um, I think so. They ate it. <laughs> They've eaten the evidence. The rat does not exist. But we watch them doing it. So it, it's not like anything else where they have to try and get CCTV pictures. Everybody watched the blooming thing. Uh, another one here. This is, um, this is... Apparently Blackpool is better than Benidorm. It is for bikies. Loads of people with bikes up there. You can't move for bikes on the seafront. Apparently it is. It's been voted Europe's 20th best beach resort ahead of Nice and Benidorm. Well, to be honest with you... I've been to Nice. It's a dump. It's an absolute dump. There's nothing in Nice at all. Absolutely nothing. It's got a seafront, and all the people who live in Nice, and I've got a friend who's got a flat in Nice, they, they just live there, you know, weekends, 
and, and there's nothing, and people sit in there, look, because you can only afford a little tiny flat. It's, it's not, it's not a nice area. I'd rather live in Cannes, and that's ropey enough. Cannes, full of drug dealers on the seafront and prostitutes. Absolutely unbelievable. Dale and I went there years ago, and, uh, within ten minutes of arriving, we were offered drugs. I mean, you know, us, huh, you know, two people who wouldn't touch a drug or a roll of marijuana cigarette if our life depended on it. But, uh, so that's it. Apparently, uh... Belek on the Turkish Riviera came top, followed by a resort called Bins in Germany, Sorrento in Italy, Funchal in Madeira, and Dubrovnik in Croatia. I don't think I've been to any of those places. I haven't been to any of them, but I have been to Blackpool. They say the pole comes in a good week for the uh, resort, famous for its pleasure beach. And t- I've been, Have you been to the pleasure beach? Oh, my God, you don't want to go. It's not for the likes of you, ladies and gentlemen. It's for dribblers. That's it. We went there early one morning because we stayed in a hotel, luckily just outside Blackpool, which was a very posh, a boutique hotel. And uh, it was called, I think, Number One Blackpool. And they featured it on the holiday programme on the television because they couldn't believe that they found this place run by a lady called Avril, I think, who uh, has got three bedrooms and each have got Whirlpool baths, CD players televisions, multiplay this, multiplay that, and there's chocolate in the fridge, in the r- everything. It's, it's really, so it's a boutique hotel, and it was about 70 quid a night. Because staying in the middle of Blackpool, you can stay there for a week for less than 70 pounds. And it really, it's the biggest dump under the sun. It is the worst place I've ever, I don't think I've been to a worse place. I went to Hounslow once. That's, that's pretty ropey, let me tell you. But, but Blackpool is dreadful. No, not on holiday, no. no I mean, you wouldn't go on holiday. Can you imagine we've booked in and we're staying at a hotel in Hounslow for a holiday? <laughs> Apparently, they also say now that it's hosted the Royal Variety Show for the first time in half a century. Yeah, that's the only time it will ever happen in our life. It won't happen again. You will not find the Royal Variety... I, don't think, the, I think the Queen was worried. They had to have security around the car, lest it was jacked up and put on bricks. I don't want to suffer with that kind of thing, do you? 84850, uk. I did... Do you know, strangely enough... Strangely enough, I, I did watch Russell Brand being interviewed last night by Frank Skinner. Don't, and I don't know how old the interview was, but I actually warmed to him immensely. I think his act is very, very clever. Very clever. And he's, his brain is obviously... Re- I think he's mad as a brush. Mad as a brush. And, but he's very clever. And he's made a fortune. And he's never written a song in his life. He's made millions. He's made millions. Never sung a song at all. But he said the only reason he became notorious is because after the Andrew Sachs thing, the Saxgate, and then in America, the MTV Awards. And he said, I, I got death threats. He said, and I thought, this is so cool. He said, I've never had death threats. He said, it's not the kind of thing you really want. He said, but all of a sudden you're famous. People were stopping him on the street. Everybody seems to like him. And he's got a girlfriend. He, he does litter his conversation with, with furt words uh, all over the place. But then Princess Margaret was the foulest mouth royal you've ever met. Every other word was fur. I mean, because if, if sort of posh people do it, it's a case of, okay, yeah, you know, and then they go, fur. And you go, oh, my God. And it, and it seems quite, quite normal to them, to everybody else. You, I can't, I can see Prince Philip swearing. And I can, I'm Charles, and I should imagine the boys probably swear as well. Uh, but the Queen, I don't think, would ever. She'd probably say, oh, bother. And Princess Anne, I reckon she's got a foul mouth. And she, you just, she just, you, you know, because we've seen her lose her temper before. And Prince Edward, I should imagine, he comes up with things like, bother, as well. He's, he's the sort of person. Whereas Sophie, I think, is fabulous, because I work with Sophie. Uh, Mark the Bailiff won't find any cars this morning, as Rob and Paul have already found them. I love it. It sounds like a highway act, doesn't it, Rob and Paul? 
<laughs> that sounds quite clever, I think. But uh, they're out there. Gee, I'd love to go out picking up cars, I tell you. Do you know, the misery of knocking on somebody's door and getting out that you could create. Hello, we've come to take your car. You can't. I'm a minicab driver. Sorry. We're taking it. You've not paid. There's a minicab driver in the paper this morning. He's been kicked. I should go out, actually, shouldn't I? I did go out with the police one night. Me and Uncle Rob and loads of other people out with the police in London picking up illegal minicabs. And it was great. They had a, a, a policewoman dressed in plain clothes standing by the side of the road to see who approached her. And up at Piccadilly Circus, as all the police around here know, it's a proliferated with illegal minicab drivers. Now, I warn you now, many of them are rapists, murderers, drug dealers. You've got to be... And I see them operating. They stand there and somebody will go, minicab, minicab... That's what they say, minicab, minicab. He's standing outside. And then he will direct you to one of his friends. This, this man here, he'll take you, this man here. They're crooks, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere near them. The chances are you'll have your throat slit. And single women, especially at Christmas, shouldn't go anywhere near these pieces of filth. 14 to 6. News headlines. The Chancellor will announce plans to impose a one-off tax on billions of pounds of bankers' bonuses later. Alistair Darling's giving his pre-budget report, which is also expected to include spending cuts and an increase in VAT. Haringey, the borough where Baby P died, has been named as having one of the worst performing children's service departments in the country. And Tiger Woods' mother-in-law has been released from hospital after being admitted yesterday, complaining of stomach pains. Let's have a check on the state of the road for you this morning. Getting you there nice and quick, solving all the problems, finger on the pulse of it. It's, oh, it's just waffle, isn't it? Hubert. Yeah, it's quite frankly. Uh, right, we'll start with the A21 at Bromley. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to six as we enter the festive... Do you know, I went out yesterday and I thought, I've got to get some more things. So I bought two more bottles of port uh, as gifts for people. And it's really good port. It's 40-year-old port. Because you can go into... I've discovered... I went out, I remember some years ago, going out and uh, and saying to the, uh, the local off-licence, oh, I need to buy some port. And he said, we've got this one here. This is £7.95. And I went... Is, is that good port? <laughs> because I, I don't know. I've only ever been out once and drunk it, and I'm sure it costs more than that. And he said, well, no, th- there is this one, and this is £30 a bottle. I thought, you're kind of heading in the right direction. If you're buying somebody a present for Christmas, and it's your accountant or somebody like that, then you're going to buy them a nice bottle of port. And my accountant, Steve, is a port drinker. He knows what is a good port. So if I tried to fob him off with a cheap bottle of port, it would not work. So I always buy him a bottle of Taylor's 40-year-old port for Christmas because it's a nice port. It's a lovely bottle. It comes in a nice box, and it's very, very acceptable. If you're a drinker, it's, it's like being a whiskey drinker. If you drink whiskey and, you know, if, if you just go to the... I remember standing in a bar one, or going to pubs, and they'd say, you go years ago, uh, can I have a whiskey and water? And they go, uh, which brand? Because if you drink whiskey and water, you would have a particular brand. You'd either have Glenfiddich or you'd have Bells, or whatever it would be, you would know what you would drink. You don't want to be fobbed off with something else. And whiskey drinkers are very particular. Port drinkers are just as particular. They're very, very keen on drinking the right thing. So I bought two bottles of this port, and, um, and it, it's not cheap. I mean, it was a lot of money. A lot of money. As port goes, it was a lot of money. Uh, but I'm quite happy. I bought it for years. In fact, I think it's actually come down since last year. And so the lady says, uh, shall I double bag it? I said, well, I'd like them in separate bags, actually, please. You know, when you're spending this much money, I'd quite like you to carry it to the car. And it's so true now. You go into a shop and, and, and money, if you're putting it on a card, and I put it on a, just a switch card so it comes out, out the bank straight away. It's not a credit card. And, and I don't think people appreciate how much you have to work to get the money to buy that. And it's because you're not physically handing over cash that, that it, 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 they seem to think it doesn't warrant service. 
Whereas, in fact, I'd quite like somebody to say, which, uh, we'll, we'll gift that wrap for you. You go to America, this is quite normal. Quite normal to actually get stuff gifted. Nobody even are. In supermarkets, they've got somebody who packs your bag. In normal supermarkets, you know, normally you're trying to do it yourself as quick as possible. Normal supermarkets, they actually pack your bag and somebody will carry it to your car. They don't expect anything in return. That's what they call service. They do a service industry. Over here, we've got no idea about service industries. So I spend this exorbitant amount of money on two bottles of port. And eventually, I mean, I do get her to double bag each one. So I've got four bags. But So I should have for this sort of price. Then I go to Joe Malone's. Because I'm buying Alan Dodgen's Christmas present. Because uh, I know how much he loves candles. And I buy these, these candles, which are not cheap. But the difference is, it's the presentation. You can go to the pound shop. And you can buy, you know, candle for a pound, you know, which is fine, ever to each his own. I happen to like buying these or Penhaligans, whatever. And and they and each candle is re- they're not cheap. I promise you, you know, because we've talked about them on the program before. They're in plastic with a black ribbon round them, beautiful glass jar, and they come in a box with black tissue paper and a box of matches, and it's sealed with a ribbon round it, and, and that's done automatically. And it's beautifully done. It's the presentation. If somebody gives you a Joe Malone candle for Christmas, you know they've spent a little bit of money. Because you can just have a look at it and you go, that's nice. And I always buy the same ones. I always buy lime, basil and mandarin. I've got no idea how they make candles. I really, I'm just out on a limb on that one. But they do look nice. So I bought these. So I'm staggering back to the car. And I decided not to get the car washed the other day. And I opened up the boot of the car and I'm thinking, oh God, I've still got chocolates in there from, from ages ago. So I've got to get rid of these chocolates. But then, you know, they'll, they'll go out to various people. But you've got to start thinking about these things now. Because if we're up to the ninth... You're going to be in a dreadful state by the time we get to Christmas if you haven't rushed out there. And people will put it on credit card. And unfortunately, every single minute, sorry, every second of every day between now and Christmas, somebody will have their credit card cloned or it will be used fraudulently. So my advice is this. If you can afford to pay cash, pay cash. If you do pay by credit card, make sure they don't take it off you. In any shop, I don't care who they are, they should have the machine there, you put the card in, make sure you cover the pin so nobody can sit. Try and practice at home so you know. Almost the same as that cheating major. Do you remember the reason that the cheating major on I'm a Millionaire won the first round is because he practised at home doing fastest on the button. So when they were going, right, put, place these in order of thing, and he, he'd rehearsed at home. Nobody else does, so of course your fingers are not used to whizzing about. The cheating major... God knows where he is now. Kicked out the army and everything else. Poor soul. And um, and he, he he practiced on a set of buttons so that he could be the fastest. And she would fire questions like it's eight two six one, and he'd go tch, 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 tch. so that when it came to it, he'd be fastest on the button. So be very careful. Practice how to do it. I still see people there going now, especially elderly people going. I don't know what the pin number is, and you think, oh, write it down, but write it down as a phone number. You know, and put it in your wallet. Because I've got one I can't remember for the life of me. And so I've written it down. It's, it's on a piece of paper with a series of phone numbers. Nobody would ever work it out because it's a, it goes in a sequence. But that's what you have to do. Make sure that there's nobody standing behind you if you're getting money out of a cash point. And secondly, uh, what else have you got to remember? Yeah, just, just be careful when, when taking money out of cash points. But people will try and clone your car. People will bump into you. Especially if you're going shopping. Noreen went shopping the other day. Actually, in Oxford Street, she said it, it was quite quiet. So that, was, uh, so that was good news for her, because I get so worried coming up to Christmas, and it's going to whiz through. The next, the next couple, of, uh, couple of weeks are going to go so fast for you, it's going to be difficult. They had a bit of a problem, actually, out there the other day in West Wickham in Kent. 
Vandals were cutting the lines under cars for the brake fluid and draining the brake fluid. So the police set a trap to find out who the culprits were. Who do you think they were? Local boys. Local boys they were. Foxes. They developed a liking for brake fluid, so they would chew the brake fluid cable under the car, wait till it dripped down, and then drink it. So that's why, whenever you see foxes running and then stopping, there won't be any squeal or anything like that, they just glide beautifully to a stop. They drink brake fluid. And they can develop a taste. Apparently, fox... Sorry? Do they what? Like alcohol. I, th- I don't know what's in brake fluid, to be honest. I know it's not good for paintwork, but, uh, but that's, that's what they do. They drink brake fluid. So they learnt to go under the cars, go, and then wait till it dripped out. And, of course, you know, dangerous for you, because you go out there, you put your foot on the brake, and there aren't any. And all of a sudden, you're in a terrible situation. Anyway, Noreen says, we did survive Oxford Street, because it was quiet. How many years ago did John Lennon die? Come on, off the top of your head. Da, 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 da. 29 years ago. 29 years ago, I was on LBC, quite clearly, uh, the night that John Lennon died. I was also on LBC the night Elvis died. I seem to be near around here all the time. But anyway, she says, poor Brian today. We have a Christmas lunch and a Christmas dinner. We pre-order the lunch and ordered what he likes, so he'll eat most of mine. Then we'll get home and an hour later trot off again. Diet, she says, after Christmas. Do you know, how many times have I heard that, young Noreen, from you and Brian? <laughs> Diet after Christmas. Actually, now is the, now is the time... To be, uh, to be going on the diet before Christmas. Because that way you can eat, can't you? Uh, 84850. Rob says, My mother-in-law, born and bred in Essex, reached new levels of battiness last Christmas. Knowing I love single malt whiskey, she decided to surprise me. Well, she certainly succeeded. She produced a bottle of Spar's own brand whiskey and then proceeded to explain she knew it was a good scotch because it was from Scotland. A silence descended in the room. <laughs> you see, that's the trouble. You can buy something, they advertised it on the television the other day, and it was um, not Bailey's, but it was, it was called something like cream and whiskey drink or something like that. And I thought, it's not Bailey's, though, is it? And that's the trouble nowadays. They make these looky-likes, and people buy it, but you can't beat the original. It's like going out saying, it's not really a bird's-eye codfish finger, but it looks like it, because nothing tastes like that. It's like Heinz tomato soup. Only Heinz tomato soup tastes like Heinz tomato soup because they're the only ones with that recipe. And you cannot beat Heinz tomato soup with some good crusty rolls with butter in, dunking them in there, and then letting it dribble down your chin. Because there's no way that you can actually eat soup without it dribbling. I went for breakfast yesterday, and I had smoked salmon for breakfast. Seems a bit naff, doesn't it? But the scrambled eggs at the Ivy are the best ever. I don't know what they make them with. Whatever it was, my, my body thought it was, it was quite alien. And so I'm assuming... It was either cream or lots of butter, because probably both actually, because it was the it was the smoothest, most delicious uh, scrambled eggs I've ever had, and in fact I was sort of eating it thinking this has got to be bad for me. It tastes good, and that's the trouble. If it tastes good, it's bad for you. There you go. Uh, Neil the bailiff in Essex, morning Neil, says even more fun. Steve taking back houses from layabouts. What for, do you know, honestly, the fun. The trouble is, there's a, a cab driver in South End. He's only had a licence for seven months. Uh, and he was rude to some elderly ladies in the back of his cab. And uh, when they asked, you know, if you could drop him off here, no, no, I'll not drop you off there. And he was so rude to them, when they asked, because one of them was disabled, to help them get him out, he said no. Anyway, Southampton cabs have got something that we don't have here. They've got cameras fitted 
Because every cab in Southampton and Brighton is licensed. They don't have the problem that we have in London of the illegal, murdering, rapist minicab drivers who tout by the side of the street. They don't have that problem. All their cabs look like cabs. They're in, in Brighton, they're all blue and white. So they don't have it. In fact, I remember phoning up somebody once to report uh, minicab drivers around Twickenham, because we have thousands of them. They all travel in all over the place to pick up drunks. And I phoned up this, uh, this thing where you can report people. And the woman said, no, they're all licensed in your area. I said, are you stupid? I couldn't believe how dumb this woman was. I said, you want to come round here every night of the week, especially in Christmas. They're all over the place. No, 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 they're all licensed. Don't be so stupid, woman. Anyway, so they, they, they had the camera, and they then played it back and discovered he was rude. Do you know what they did? They fired him straight away. No hesitation. So Radio Taxis down in Southampton, you get the award of the day. It's about time we had more people like that. It would make me so much happier. I was on a training course at another store. I... Morning, team. Eight minutes past six is the time. Wednesday morning. Cold. Cold. Do you know, I went to Kingston. I didn't know. I've forgotten in the middle of the afternoon. The students are out. An unruly bunch, aren't they? I'm really bunch what foul-mouthed people students are. Dreadful. Most of them on drugs and dreadful things like that. Awful. And they don't seem to actually... Do- what these people aspire to, I've got no idea. Is it some new life nowadays to be a student? I think I'll go to school and then I'll leave and then I'll go to college. And once they go to college, they then start behaving like complete nutter bozos. Uh, Kevin Jules in Lee. Baxter's tomato soup is much better than Heinz. Not Ina Baxter. Do you remember? Ina Baxter used to sign all the... Well, she signed the first one. And they started using her on the television programme. Because they worked on the assumption that if it was good enough for all the other people who advertised their own products, Ina Baxter could be there. So they put her in a farmhouse kitchen, as if she made every tin of soup in there. And I bought Baxter's soup. But to be honest with you, I'm sorry, nothing touches Heinz. I grew up on Heinz. I'm a Heinz boy. 57 varieties. Jan says, I work at the post office in Hounslow. Can you remind people, Steve, to address the cards clearly with the postcode and to wrap parcels properly? Do you know, if I worked in the post, I'm sorry, I tell you, Jan, I'd have a field day in the post. No, sorry, there's no postcode. Well, it's not going, is it? Go and do it again properly. Three out of ten. Go home. Don't be so silly. And parcels, which look as though they're going to fall apart at the foot. You know, get some gaffer tape. You know, that nice sticky brown tape. Wrap it round there. Put a label on it. Make sure there's a postcode. Ridiculous. Why? How some of the stuff finds it. I mean, even me. I get cards sent. It's just addressed. I mean, luckily, because I'm famous and hugely international, it just says Steve Allen London. And things find me very, very quickly. There's not, luckily, that many Steve Allens in London. Although, having said that, there's probably loads. Uh, Steve, you can't beat Heinz Country Vegetable Soup. Do you know, I tried that. They did a, do you remember they did a big vegetable soup? And to be honest with you, I didn't think it was that good. I was quite taken the other day with the sprout thing where you sort of grate sprout up and yesterday i had i had sprouts actually strangely enough because it was uh, tuesday and tuesday is sprout day which is good and um and i had it with smoked salmon because you know now we eat more smoked salmon than any other country any other country they now farm salmon all year round and what they've done is because i watched a program on the telly about it this morning they now trick the salmon into believing that it's winter when it's summer and when it's summer it's winter so that they can produce salmon all year round because the salmon will only spawn at a certain time so they to, to make them believe that it's spawning time they put a light in their tank and this makes the salmon spawn they then collect all the eggs millions of them millions and millions put them in there and they put them in a darkened room when they want them to sort of start coming to life they turn the lights on 
So all year round, you can have salmon. And you go to the supermarkets now. Years ago, salmon. You'd go to somebody, smoked salmon, and they go, wow, you're rich. Smokes it. You can buy a whole salmon now for seven quid. Seven quid, which will feed a lot of people. It's good for you. Very healthy. Very good with sprouts. Very good with just about any green sort of vegetable. You could do all sorts of things. You could even have it, I suppose, with roast potatoes. Salmon. So I bought four salmon steaks. I had two yesterday, and I'll probably have two today. But have smoked salmon for breakfast. Oh, delicious. With scrambled egg. I can't tell you how excited it is. Sue Pollard's in the paper today. She's currently doing panto with a friend of mine uh, down in Bournemouth. She's in Chris Jarvis's uh, pantomime down in Bournemouth. She's, she's playing the Wicked Queen. OK, we all made up the jokes. Thank you. But anyway, she, she's in the back of a taxi. <laughs> and the taxi attempts to park, but it's trying to get into a disabled space. There's another woman who's parking her car in the disabled space because she's disabled. And a little prang occurs. So the driver gets out and starts talking to the woman about blah, 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 blah. And this woman goes, I've got osteoporosis. I should be parking here. Sue Pollard apparently gets out of the back and lets fly with the torrent of abuse. Which, of course, I don't know if you've ever been out with to the lady. And, uh, and the woman says, I'm going to call the police. And Sue Pollard, who's standing there wearing um, black striped leggings, short black skirt and a pink pillbox hat. Because you know she's fairly eccentric, Sue. She's the only one. I went to a party at a friend's house and I said, I've got to leave now. And Sue Pollard goes into the middle of the road, lifts up her top, she's topless, and shouts in the biggest voice, Steve Allen's leaving! So embarrassing. She's not quiet as Sue. But anyway, so she starts remonstrating with this lady and she says, I'm, I'm not waiting for the police. I'm an actress. Don't have time to wait for the police. Anyway, a Dorset police confirmed they were called. A spokesman said inquiries are ongoing, which is quite funny, actually. I love parking arguments. Don't you love parking arguments? That was that famous one outside Harrods, wasn't it? Where this, this poor lady was trying to reverse this car backwards and foot and she couldn't get the car in. In the end, this, uh, this, this bloke in a BMW sort of went, yeah, and parked in there and got in in front of her. And so she gets out of the car. She, I was, he said, well, toughen it. So she gets in her car and she, he, he said, he said, I can do that. He said, because I'm a good driver. So she gets in her car. She reverses backwards and goes smashing straight into the side of his car. Opens the car door and goes, I can do that because I'm rich and drives off. <laughs> How cool is that? Didn't we all want to do that? Anyway, so good luck to, uh, to Sue. The Panto will do very, very well. In fact, I'm actually going down to see it because I always go down to see uh, Chris's pantomimes, who actually is on every day on children's television at the moment. And I don't want to talk out of school. But, you know, for a man who must be approaching 40, he looks early 20s. I don't know how he does it. Seriously. I looked at him the other day, in fact, a friend of mine phoned me and said, do you know that Chris is on the television? So I went, yeah, I'm watching at the moment. He said, but he's nearly 40. I said, yeah. He said, how come he looks early 20s? I said, no idea. No idea. It could be on monkey glands or something. And there's a woman in the paper today... In the Daily Mail. I was quite taken by this, and you will as well, ladies, if you're, uh, if you're a little bit overweight, OK? Or if you're fat. This lady decided to treat herself for Christmas, and she wanted to, um, to have an operation to get rid of the fat, OK? So she goes to a clinic. I can't be where it is, actually. It's in, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I won't tell you what the name of the clinic is, but she goes in, and it says, this takes just 90 minutes... Leaves no scars, doesn't hurt, and removes fat for good. So this sounds. Like, this this will intrigue you because there's a picture of this this woman. She's not that fat. She's. I think she's just pushing her stomach out. But uh, and then there's another picture of her looking a bit a bit slimmer with a different hairstyle and a bit more makeup. So that's the before and after. And she says a magic wand zapped away my wobbly tum. So she has this thing done, 
And she goes in and she has this operation. It took weeks and weeks for it to heal, so it's no good having it done now if you think that you're going to be thin for Christmas. The cost of it, frankly, was prohibitive, as far as I'm concerned. She had a lot zapped out, and she said she now feels better. When I tell you how much it costs, you'll be going, do you know, I wish I'd not read that silly article. Because all it is, it's another one of these clinics where they'll stick something in your stomach, siphon it all out, and pay you for the privilege. There are dangers involved. LBC 97.3. Thank you very much indeed. Nick Ferrari with you a little bit later on this morning. In fact, in about 40 minutes' time. Now, uh, 19 minutes past six. Always a pleasure. Never a chore with Steve Hargrave. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Actually, strangely enough, you're going to be in uh, Leicester Square later on, aren't you? Uh, Aren't you doing Avatar? Oh, it's t- yeah, it's tomorrow. Yeah, oh, I'm tomorrow. seeing it today. I'm seeing it today. Yeah. I'm trying, I was trying to think it's not... No, not screen's not in Leicester Square, but we're seeing it today. Yeah, there are five and premieres in Leicester Square. I was talking to somebody the other day. We've got f- uh, either four or five premieres in Leicester Square all this week. Yeah, it was the Hugh Grant. Yes. Hugh Grant one, wasn't it, last night? Yeah. All the, all the lorries are out there this morning, all the scaffolding, and... Oh, it's amazing. What's on tonight, then? Oh, maybe they're getting ready for Avatar today. Yeah. Because, um... It's, yeah, most expensive film ever made, of course, uh, the 3D one. 3D, Can't yeah. Can't to have missed it, everyone talking about it this week. So I'm terribly intrigued. Everyone like. is sort of hovering around, just wondering whether Avatar is going to be the next step in cinema or a massive, massive pile of beep. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about 3D films. I'm not, mm. I'm not actually sure I want to sit there and watch a 3D film. The, well, the most exciting thing about 3D films is just turning around mid-film. And just yeah. laughing at everyone stood there in these stupid glasses. <laughs> <Just looking laughs> oh, you have, you have, of course, you have to wear the glasses, don't you? You still have to. There's oh, no way around it. How so. boring. <laughs> how dull. <laughs> Far more exciting <laughs> to play a good bit of music. Yeah, should we do that? Instead? Yes, let's do that. With the Boxer oh. Rebellion. The Boxer Rebellion, yeah. It's been a good good year for these guys. They're based in London. The mixture of American, uh, Australian, and, and two, uh, two Londoners in there. So uh, we'll claim them as our own, I think. Um, but they, they've... Uh, they've did really well in America on the Billboard charts and stuff, and I think it was self-released actually the album as well. It was pretty good, pretty good going for them. We'll have a little listen to them the set. They're playing Isn't an Academy tomorrow night, the Boxer Rebellion and Friends, and uh, yeah, was the album? The album's called Union, and the song we have selected this morning, Steve, is called Flashing Red Light Means Go. Not sure about that, Stevie. I like the drums. Yeah, I, uh, the drums I do like, do, do, and do, I, do, I quite do. like his voice. I'm just the the combination together isn't isn't quite hitting it not for quite. me. Not quite. Not quite. Quite getting there for you. I tell you what, I do like. I have heard it, and I know we we, we don't have it, but uh, it's the George Michael single. Oh yeah, was that that was kind of old, wasn't it? And then. Was it around last year or something? Oh, was it? Oh, right. I didn't like I Sting's. Know, I, I saw Sting being, you know, given the entire Alan Titchmarsh show to, to sing his, you know, song, which looked like it came out of the dark ages, I'm afraid. <laughs> it was all really? mulled wine and, you know, people yeah. at the door and, you know, the, oh, crikey. We spoke to Sting about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite funny because it is a really weird album. Yeah. I mean, I d- album. Don't get me wrong. I do, I do like Sting. I like. To, yeah. I'm, I'm more intrigued by the wife, of course, who is another another one from a council estate who's moved herself up the social ladder, and oh, now Trudy, Trudy Styler, yes, yeah. who I saw yeah. years ago in a show called Elegies for Raging Punks and Queens. Mm. But, uh, anyway, uh, on to Julian <laughs> Casablancas. <laughs> Enough reminiscing. Enough then. reminiscing. <laughs> <laughs> Julian Casablancas, the uh, 
frontman of, of the Strokes. He's playing at the Forum on uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday. And he had an album that's out now, it was out uh, last month, called Phrases for the Young, which is actually really good. And it's a really nice album because it's, it's actually quite short. It doesn't waste any time. It's only, I think it's only about a half an hour long or something. Uh, but really, really nice. Just I like it when albums are like that. They can just arrive, get it over with, do really good stuff and then disappear and not outstay their welcome. Mm. Um, but he's done a Christmas song, which originally, bizarrely, was on Saturday Night Live in America. It was a joke song. He's taken this, turned it into a proper song, and he's releasing it the, I think it's the week of Christmas, so he's not um, actually trying for Christmas number one, but uh, he's just releasing it then, limited edition uh, vinyl, and you can download it, of course. So we'll have a little listen to this. Uh, the song is Julian Casablanca's the song. It's called I Wish It Was Christmas Today. Oh, my Godfathers. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Listen, you are talking here to the man who has just received his latest delivery of Christmas albums. One, Carols from King's College. The other, A Classical Christmas with the Royal Philharmonic. The other, A Classical Christmas, which has got everything on it. And the White Christmas with the Grimethorpe Colliery Band. And you play me that... I'm presuming you're you're a sort of a, a classics man. Kind I'm of, uh, absolutely traditional at Christmas. You see, I like the sound of stranger rock and rolly oh odd songs. God, I nearly fell under the table. Really? I don't know how on earth that could be ever considered festive. I mean, where, what it parties is. would you go to where they play that? Sort of strange parties that I frequent. Well, that well that is true, actually. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I could, yeah. oh, I could, if, if somebody started playing that, I'd have to leave the room. Well, you all stand around and just stare at the floor. Oh, no, my Godfather. Yeah, no, 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 no. Sort of no. I'm looking forward to going home and listening to Frosty the Snowman, played by the Grimethorpe Colliery Band, which is a I'll proper pro- band. I won't invite you to the parties I'm going to, then. No, don't, <laughs> no <laughs> definitely not, thank you. Uh, <laughs> right, some quick gigs for us, Stevie. Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of announcements on the festival front, which seems weird this time of year, but next year, Pink, of course is headlining the Wireless Festival on the 2nd of July, well, the Friday of the Wireless Festival. She's really nice. Spoke to her last night. Uh, when are we putting that? Oh, that's tomorrow on Sky. Oh, Pink. She was really nice. Yeah. Um, but Pearl, Pearl Jam headlining Hard Rock Calling uh, in June. Dizzy Rascal were headlining Lovebox. And there's a new festival called High Voltage, which will have Emerson, Lake and Palmer reforming. Oh, wow. And ZZ Top, that's going to be in July. Tickets for all of these are released, actually, this week. So... Keep an eye out if you want some festival action. Excellent. Next year. Okay. Ahead. Tonight, David Gray's at Hammersmith. He's at Hammersmith Apollo tonight. The Placebo playing the O2 tonight in between Pink, who returns again tomorrow for some more massive shows for her. And the N-Dubs Christmas Pie at Shepherd's Bush Empire tomorrow. And uh, Miley Cyrus on Sunday oh, and Monday at the O2 Arena. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder how many seats will be available kids. for that. Would it, would it be very busy, do you think? They got two nights there, and she is massively popular. Really? So, uh, the Bootleg Beatles was... were playing the uh, Royal Albert Hall the other night, and in light of them really? releasing all the Beatles stuff, they they were sold out. Oh, they're always sold out, aren't they? They're very, very good. They're good. I, I work with them Beatles. actually. I think they're fantastic. If you've never seen the yeah. Bootleg Beatles or the Counterfeit Stones, they're my two favourite tribute bands. But the Bootleg Beatles are just sensational. You know, and, they, uh, they they look like them. They sound like it's just brilliant. The Australian Pink Floyd, they're the ones who... They've been touring, actually. Yes. They're, they're the other ones who are really good. I love all those sort of groups. I think it's quite clever. If you can't afford to see the real thing, go and see... And you're never going to see the Beatles again, so... You know, no, Or the no. Rolling Stones. No, but, I mean, they're expensive, aren't they, to see those ones? But they are, like, the premier kind of... Yes, uh, they are definitely. Premier, Depeche uh, Mode are at the O2. Blimey, will they sell out? Yes. 
Oh, yeah. right. Oh. It's, it's kind of weird, isn't it, the bands that play at the O2 now? Yeah. You, you do look at it and think, I mean, like Placebo, you thought, oh, would they sell it out? But yeah. apparently so. I could probably sell out myself. Perhaps I should try the O2. Well, I think you should. Yes. Next year. Give and it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Up again. Steve Allen at the O2. You can just see it now. <laughs> Listen, Steve, we'll, we'll sort out for getting you live in the studio, as they say. Yes, I and, think we must, uh, we must try and do this before Christmas. Absolutely do it. In, enjoy the film tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, I'll let you know how it is. All right, kiddo. Take care. Bye. London's biggest conversation. Oh, how lovely. I'm just seeing a trail for Noel's Christmas presents. Used to be my favourite programme on the telly at Christmas. And they should bring it back to, uh, to ITV or BBC or something like that. It's tucked away on Sky, which is a bit of a shame. But Noel goes round and does his Christmas presents. I'd have to get my friends to record it for me, because I don't have Sky, I'm afraid. But I do have the horse racing results, Katie, from yesterday. How did I get on? Uh, right. Well, um, a good day. Uh, not- Alex had mm. Hector's house, mm. which won. Okay. Total return £3.80, profit £1.80. Well done, Alex. Total loss £9.72. And you had Shadows Lengthen. Yeah. And it was a winner. Fantastic. Uh, it wasn't a huge winner, but in this programme, you know, anything we're grateful for. Yes. 3 to 10, profit 60 pence. Oh. But it doesn't matter, which means you don't, because it's not a reasonable amount of money, you don't qualify for the mince pie. You're but, joking. No, no, no. I mean, no, I'm, but don't worry, because it, it gets better. Because when, when you go back to the desk, look where I sit at my desk. Okay. And there is a box of biscuits there. Fabulous. Which you can share with your colleagues. Okay. Uh, luxury biscuits. Thank you. So uh, try not to suck all the chocolates off and give <laughs> it to Michael Trabalsi, because we did that yesterday and he fell for it every time. It's marvellous. <laughs> suck the chocolate off the nuts and then just give them to him and he, he thinks they're just nuts. <laughs> and uh, so your total loss is £54.49. Right. Uh, t- today's selection is the... Th- it's quite funny, actually. <laughs> myself laugh. <laughs> the 3.30 at Lingfield. Prince Charlemagne. I think we've had this before. I think Alex has picked it or somebody has. Prince Charlemagne, win only. And you're off with? I'm at the 210 in Leicester Grand Slam Hero. Oh, sounds promising. It's quite a long title, but uh, it sounds promising. We'll find out. Are you doing tomorrow? Uh, I am in tomorrow, yes. OK, we shall, we shall look forward to tomorrow. So, the biscuits are on my desk. You'll notice I have had a couple. Right. OK, so I've turned the box round. So when you take them out, it looks as though they're sealed. But in fact, when you pull the whole <laughs> tray out, you'll notice at the other end, there's other, just in case you thought maybe people at Marks and Spencer's were half-inching the biscuits. I have, in fact, had a few. <laughs> right, OK. OK, so some of the chocolate ones I have, as I say, suck the, suck the chocolate off, and I've left those in there. It's up to you to work out which ones. <laughs> they don't sound that appetising anymore. They're not, you know, to be quite honest with it, and also I've had a nasty cold, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of the biscuits might not look as healthy as others. <laughs> but apart from that, they're fine. Thank you. Enjoy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. There she goes, we'll talk to her tomorrow. <laughs> she won't be touching the biscuits. <laughs> it always guarantees they stay on the desk for another day. Anyway, that'll be tomorrow. Uh, having a check on this woman in the, uh, in the Daily Mail today, I've obviously come to the conclusion... She's decided at the age of 58 she wants liposuction, but it's a new system. Now, I have to tell you that any invasive surgery or procedures carry a risk. I don't care what any journo says. I would like to know that a journalist has done it properly. You know, that they'd actually paid for the procedure, and this wasn't a free advert for, for a clinic, because this, this procedure is not approved in this country, because I think any cosmetic procedure is not approved in this country, because... Any cosmetic surgeon that advertises is not necessary. You, you wouldn't have this. It's not necessary for you. You would only have it done through vanity. So, in other words, if you had, say, a horribly misshapen nose and it was affecting your life and breathing or whatever, then you would go to your doctor and they would recommend a cosmetic surgeon. If you just go, I think I'm a little bit fat and I want to lose the weight, 
then you go and you pay privately. And this isn't cheap. Well, however, if you read the article, and I urge you to read it, it sounds the most horrendous thing. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a wand that sticks inside your stomach in three different places and apparently dissolves fat. It's not for the clinically obese. It's not for people who are very fat. It's just for people who, unfortunately, can't be bothered to lose the weight. And so she, they say, and they mention the clinic, I won't mention the clinic for you, but the prices start at, for small areas, £2,500. Now, to be honest with you, I don't like anything that's, you know, sticking something in your body. It's invasive. Anybody can be a cosmetic surgeon. If I had the money to buy this machine, I could open up a surgeon and call it Steve Allen's, you know, way to a better future, whatever. There is no regulatory body. They are self-regulating. It's only when things go wrong that people have to go to court and, and check them out. So just be careful. And also, I don't think anything involves having liposuction. I can't bear the idea of liposuction. OK, quickly, let's whiz through as much as we can this morning, just to sort of set you up for the, uh, the day. Can you get Brussels sprouts in tins? Yes, Angela, you can. And not in this country. I've seen them in uh, shops in Austria. I know it sounds... But they do Brussels sprouts in brine, I think, or something like that. Something... I know... <laughs> Sicky poos. I know, they take seconds. But the frozen Brussels sprouts are quite nice, and the little ones are very good. I do like the little Brussels sprouts, which are very good. Uh, Sue says, you cannot beat lovely boiled sprouts. Apparently better with... A, Dan said, I think, with, with bacon and a bit of butter and stuff like that. Apologies to vegetarians. Uh, Chris says, I was hired for Royal Mail for work up until Christmas Eve. They now say they don't need me. What shall I do? Um, go somewhere else. Only guessing, you know. If you can't work there, go somewhere else. I would have thought, actually, anybody who was working on Christmas Mail would be working already. Sounds a bit late to start, I, I think. Um, apparently, says Mark at the Brentwood Theatre, you'll not believe this, but the drummer in the Boxer Rebellion is engaged to Emma, who does travel on your Sunday show. No. Do you know, this is a small world. This is a small world. So now you know. So when you listen on Sunday... Uh, Steve, I never put postcodes on mail as it keeps the post office staff in work. Yeah, I mean, see, the trouble is it just makes... It means that they, it does get there. You know, it's it's a bit of a shame, actually. Uh, Steve, um, this is one here. says, uh, we've just been on Steve's show on LBC. Obviously sending it to me to tell me about other things as well. But the best tomato soup, I'm sorry, I'll stick to it. It's only Hyde. It's a taste thing. If you like, I thought Baxter's was a bit watery. And I, I'm a bit of a broth boy. You see, I like, a friend of mine used to make soup. He said it's the cheapest thing to do. He said he cannot understand why people go out and eat this dreadful, cheap, bad-for-you fast food, which is deep-fried and everything else, when you can get a liquidizer for a few pounds and, and you just throw loads, loads of veggies in there, whatever you want, carrots, potatoes, anything else, a bit of water, and you've got a hearty soup, which you can freeze, you can do anything with. And yet people go out there and buy this dreadful chicken, which is deep-fried with chips and little chicken wings, which are about as big as, you know, hair grips. And they go, oh, I've got five, five chicken wings and a dipper. Small wonder you're going to die early. Bootleg Beatles, says Laura, amazing. They are the closest things to the Beatles you'll ever see. I've been a fan for over 20 years. I know them personally. OK. <laughs> We're name-dropping this morning. It's very good, actually. I think they're excellent. I worked with them at the Middlesex show. We thought they were fantastic. Uh, Premier League new boys Burnley have a new fan, apparently Prince Charles. OK. And Alexandra Burke has learnt the ways of a diva and demands a jar of honey at gigs. That's OK. She also ordered two bottles of champagne, cereal bars and herbal tea to put in her dressing room at a tiny seaside town. She was singing in a hall in Peterhead. The £10 Manuka honey is on her rider, said to help beat stomach ulcers. 
The hotel boss says she's also requested two bottles of Verve Clicquot, among other things. Oh, class. Manuka honey and Verve Clicquot. Doesn't get, doesn't get any better than that, does it? God, it's cold in here this morning. Even Nick Ferrari walked in yesterday and went, blimey, even by his standards, it was blooming freezing. I tell you, I'm surprised I get through this programme without gloves on. It is so cold in here, so I might have to buy gloves, I think. Uh, Gary Barlow is fast becoming the, the next Bob Geldof. He organised a dinner for the celebs who climbed, climbed Africa's Mount Kilimanjaro. So, uh, Ronan Keating, Kimberly Walsh, Alicia Dixon, Denise Van Outen and somebody else all went to the Dunhill Club. Uh, apparently Cheryl Cole couldn't make it uh, because she was promoting Joe McKeldry. And also she had to cook Ashley Cole's dinner. And Gary wanted to thank the group for helping to raise three and a half million pounds. Actually, I like Gary Barlow. Boring as hell. Uh, but I know he's very sweet. He's a very clever songwriter, but he is dull. I heard him being interviewed. And, uh, you know, he is boring. In fact, I did ask a friend of mine the other day, would you use him on a television programme? And he said, there's no edge to him. That's the trouble. You know, if, if you're going to put... Yeah, he's lovely, but he's just sweet. Hello, Amanda, how are you? And that's about as far as it goes. You know, you're not going to get any lengthy conversation. I started with nothing. Now I have something. <laughs> How you could ever write a song for Peter Kay, I've got no idea. Oh, dear. How we laughed. Ha, 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 ha. There's a... a f- f- I was singing Geraldine's song. I know. Oh, guess what they brought back? You'll be delighted. If you were thinking of buying me something for Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a Rolls-Royce Phantom would be acceptable, OK? Uh, I don't want any gift tokens from Smiths or Boots or anything like that. I don't want that kind of stuff, thank you. I have my own chemist I go to, who look after me very well. Thank you, Goods. They're bringing back the Soda Stream. Do you remember the Soda Stream? get busy with the fizzy soda stream and you'd sit it on the sideboard and it's been relaunched to make healthier fruit drinks how boring is that it was just another gadget that you had in the kitchen to be honest with you in between that the sandwich maker the steamer the ice cream maker the bread maker the toasted sandwich you don't need anything else well the halogen oven which you do need because it does do crispy roast potatoes (laughs) which is what we like another picture of uh, stacy uh, Stacey Solomon going back to, uh, to, uh, Dagenham with a lot of miserable-looking people. In fact, there's only, there's not one person smiling apart from Danny Minogue. Even Stacey's not smiling. But, no, enjoy it while it, while it lasts, Stacey. OK, good luck, because very shortly you'll be going, you want fries with that? I'll be all right for you. OK. It's not going to go anywhere, is it? And here's, here's, his Lulu. No, it's not, sorry, it's not Lulu. John's getting confused there. It's not Lulu at all. It's, uh, Elaine Page singing a duet with, um... Subo, the dream came true. At the end, um, Piers Morgan kissed her. Other stories in the paper today. <laughs> Sorry, it's on, a, it's on a wrong level, that one, for anybody, I think, this morning. I'm not sure whether or not kissing is going to help. Um, when do the kids break up for, for, uh, for, um, for Christmas? They break up soon. Do you know, I did like that programme on Father Christmas. I'm so pleased I watched it. and so pleased that I, I've now had to change telling everybody how Father Christmas's uh, suit didn't change colour, courtesy of... Um, of Coca-Cola. There's a man here, a bizarre situation. Only two people in Britain could end up in neighbouring beds in the same hospital at the same time last month, both called Geraint Woolford. Can you imagine? You're in the bed, at the same time you're both booked in. What's your name? Geraint. Hello, what's your name? Geraint. What's your surname? Woolford. Unbelievable. I'm Geraint Woolford as well. And there's a picture of the paper. One is 52 and one's 77. Actually, a lot of people tell me they booked for Sandy Toxvik and Ronnie Corbett at the Royal Festival Hall. How old do you think Ronnie Corbett is? Go on. 83. 
83, I think. 80. He looks fantastic. Looks fantastic for 83. When you consider I'm, I'm 38 and he... 30, 39 coming up, obviously. And he's 80. Well, I tell you, amazing. I love him. I think he's, oh, he's really good. Always used to make me laugh. Always used to make me laugh. What if he's going to be there for the South Bank Awards in, uh, in January? Anyway, quarter to seven. <laughs> News headlines, Katie Radley. Thank you. The Chancellor's expected to announce... Nice to have you company. It's Steve Allen's uh, early breakfast on LBC 97.3. Just trying to find something interesting from the papers. A little bit difficult this morning. Uh, don't forget, Nick Ferrari with you just after the news at 7. We're talking about those, those uh, tasers they've got out there. And uh, looking at the papers this morning, if you can find something, well done. Call the arranger, the Mayor's Director of Transport Policy. James says, ugh, fizzy drinks. Yuck. Dee says, what colour do you want the Rolls Phantom in? Do you know, to be honest with you, any colour at all... You know, I'll even take a second-hand one. I'm not fussy. I think they're about 140,000. If anybody could see their way clear to that. Uh, you can get Brussels in a tin at Morrison's, but they're kind of soggy, Steve. So there you go. And, uh, and we went along to see uh, the Noel Edmonds Christmas presents on Sky. I love it. I cry every year. I cr- every year, there's always something that makes me cry on it. The best, some of them were just brilliant. There's a new royal family on at Christmas. Is that Royal R-O-Y-L-E or the R-O-Y-A-L family? I don't mind, actually. Uh, Linda says, blimey, Steve, is that how far back we go? 20 years at the Middlesex show? No, no, it wasn't that far back, 20 years. It was about two years, I think. Simon Bates was there, co-hosting. He was. I made him work harder than me, actually. I was very lazy. Uh, Therese Birch was there and Bjorn again. And we still love you. There you go. Brett in Acton says the kids break up on the 18th of December. But it reminds me of the, of the story... Of four of Santa's little elves. It's a Christmas story for you, boys and girls. And they got sick. And the trainee elves didn't produce the toys as fast as the regular elves. Santa was beginning to feel the pressure of being just a little bit behind schedule. Then Mrs Claus told Santa that her mum was coming to visit. Stressed him out even more. When he went to harness the reindeer, he found that three of them were about to give birth. Two had jumped the fence and were out heaven knows where. More stress. Constant stress. Then he went to load the sleigh. One of the boards cracked and the toy bag fell to the ground and scattered the toys all over the place. Frustrated, Santa Claus went into the house for a cup of apple cider and a shot of rum. When he went to the cupboard, he discovered the elves had hidden the liquor and there was nothing to drink. In his frustration, he accidentally dropped the cider pot and it broke into hundreds of little pieces all over the kitchen floor. He went to get the broom and found that the mice had eaten the straw at the end of the broom. Just then the doorbell rang. An irritable Santa trudged to the door, opened it, and there was a little angel with a great big Christmas tree, and the angel said very cheerfully, Merry Christmas, Santa. Isn't it a lovely day? I have a beautiful tree for you. Where would you like me to stick it? And so began the tradition of the little angel on top of the Christmas tree. And that's your story for today. Tomorrow, we'll have a story about Rudolph. OK? Something good. Actually, I heard a great bit of gossip the other day. I wish I could impart it to you, but I can't, because, uh, A, it's probably very actionable, but it's uh, such a good bit of gossip. I can't, even, I can't even hint at what it is, because it's so, so good. If I actually... I wish people wouldn't tell me things. It drives me mad. People tell me things. They say, now, you must... The, they always start it by saying, now, listen, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. And I say, well, listen, don't tell me. Because at some point, I'm going to have a small Ribena. 
and I'm going to have to tell people. And with the LBC Christmas party around the corner, possibly Jedward going, and the global party this evening, I think they'd be mad to go anywhere near it, there'll be more people wandering around in the road, you know, clutching boxes of after-eight and small sherry bottles and stuff like that. So I'm avoid. I'm just... I'm, I'm, I like it when I come in the day after the, uh, the firm's big party, because I'm the only one who's not walking around clutching their head. Because most people walk out, oh, God, really, it was all... What was it like? Oh, great. And that, apparently, is a good party. <laughs> it's good, though. You see, as far as I'm concerned, a good party is where you can stuff yourself silly and you can come home and you're still sober. Because that's quite nice. Nothing worse, because you do all sorts of uh, daft things when you've had a couple of drinks, as I can testify. Uh, well done to the airport check-in staff. This is uh, a 23-strong syndicate. Uh, they work at uh, Heathrow's Terminal 3. And they won the lottery. They got 2.6 million. He told them on Facebook, he said, I think you better contact me. The most they'd ever won before was 40 quid. This time they'll all get about £100,000. It's not bad, is it? £100,000 for Christmas? Sort out a few little, uh, a few little prezzies, I think. Do you know there's another camp opened up in France? I'm sure Nick Ferrari will talk about this later on. Having closed one down... Just uh, This is my stomach, incidentally, having a complete field day here. It's so loud, I'm so sorry. If you're listening on DAB, enjoy. OK. But, so we're having closed one camp down. We've now opened another one up. Doesn't kind of make any sense, does it? Seems a bit of a waste of time and money, but, you know, there you go. 84850. The kids break up on the 18th, says Brett. Uh, Luke says, do you think Stacey will end up being a page three girl? I do hope not. I can't think of it. No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody's going to ask her to be a page three girl. Bless her heart. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's very, very unlikely. I recently had eggs Benedict. You see, I can't eat poached eggs. I can't eat anything that's got runny egg in it. I've told you before, it's my worst nightmare. If somebody has a, a, an egg, fried egg or whatever it is, and they cut into it and the yolk runs all over the place, I'm practically throwing up. I ha- absolutely hate it. I don't like it at all. Drizzled with hollandaise sauce. Yuck, 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 I'm afraid. I don't like that. You, you don't, listen, you don't need to ask me. Uh, Bruce says, read your story of parking at Harrods. Years ago, I had a friend who was on a driving holiday in Spain. His company called him back to London, so he flew back, only to be informed they were making him redundant and asked for the keys to the company car. Gave them the keys, and when they asked where the car was, he told them, somewhere in Spain, and walked out. It's quite good, isn't it? There's the keys to your car, you go and find it, I'm going to tell you where it is. Off to London today, take my old secretary uh, and her husband down to lunch as they're returning to Norway. So wish them luck, that's Katinka. Lovely name, isn't it? People have nice names abroad. What have we got? Steve. Not really that exciting, is it? I think my parents could have been a wee bit more imaginative. Uh, 84850, thank you for the uh, photo, Ron. I'll just see if I can open it. Sometimes I can't... I can't... Op- oh, my God, fathers. Yes, thousands of pounds. This is a tree covered in lights. Now, I've, I've seen these on the internet. They work out about three and a half thousand pounds. And I quite like reindeer, but I like the ones that move in the front gardens. You can get them with, with nodding heads. It's a little bit now, I'm afraid, but, uh, but quite, you know, it's quite, quite cute to be like that sort of thing. I do like people who decorate the front of their houses. I think they're, A, very brave, and B, I think, I think, it's, it, I think it's quite funny. Uh, Paul O'Grady keeps announcing that he's, you know, getting up to the end of his shows and he's going to be doing them elsewhere. It's not, so it's not actually finishing, because he's carrying on. It just won't be there. It'll be somewhere else. Um, there's also, uh, strange enough, Nicola Methvin, whose TV column seems to get smaller and smaller, uh, and Bobby Davro, she says, reckons he would have stuck around longer in EastEnders if he hadn't got so bored playing Vinnie Monks. Actually, no, I think we, uh, we actually kind of suffered with you on that one, Bobby. 
but also uh, our loss, Milton's Keynes gain, I suspect, because that's where Bobby's been relegated to doing panto this year. That's just about it, actually. I have to go. I have to run this morning. I'll be at the doctor's. So I'm going to. I'm going to run like uh, like crackers after the program. But I'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place, if you can make it. You know, if you're not doing anything, tell your friends. You know, it's a nice, cosy little programme. Have a cup of tea, stay in bed. Not worth getting out. There's so much to keep you going on LBC today. So you might as well enjoy every minute of it. So I'll be back at five tomorrow morning. If you go to the, if you go to the LBC website, I hope you've all podcasted the uh, latest In Conversation, which is Michael Winner, which is very good. Well worth podcasting. Ask anybody who's heard it. They'll go, Phew. One of those good ones. One of those good ones. So we'll do that again tomorrow morning. Thank you for your Christmas cards. Thank you for your messages. Do it all again tomorrow. If you, if you go to the LBC website, as I say, you can learn about the podcasting. And I'm sure there'll be festivities up there. And hopefully very shortly a list of all the different pantomimes. OK. Nick Ferrari with you after the news at seven o'clock. James O'Brien's here a little bit later on. And, uh, and Petri and loads of other people as well. I'm back tomorrow. But here's today's business update with Katie Radley. The Chancellor is expected to announce plans for a one-off tax.